Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hey guys, Kevin Cruz here. Welcome to the LeadX Leadership Show, where we help you to stand out and to get ahead at work. Now, as you know, we like to switch things up here, keep it interesting, and to continue that tradition, today on the podcast, instead of me interviewing an expert guest, we're going to have the guest deep dive into their topic. You see, you'll be hearing audio from a LeadX webinar. Now, of course, there are dozens of great webinars on leadership, management, communication, productivity, and more, all archived in the LeadX app. Just visit leadx.org for more information about our webinar archive. So enough on the setup, enough background information. Here is Vanya Mathis to introduce our guest and to hand it over to them. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to this LeadX webinar. I'm Vanya, your co-host at LeadX, where we offer free work class training to anyone, anytime, from anywhere. You can watch a free course every day at leadx.org, so make sure to check it out. I'm so excited to bring you our special guest, Nick G. Giannoulis, the godfather of fun and founder of The Fun Department. Nick has been featured on CNN, BBC News, TEDx, and has recently joined forces with Delivering Happiness. On today's webinar, Nick is going to show you why fun matters for employees, customers, and the bottom line, how fun can be used to bridge the generational gap between boomers and millennials, a proven process to successfully implement fun in the workplace with measurable and sustainable results. And he's going to be taking questions as well for um, at the end in the Q&A session. Okay, let's get started. Please welcome Nick. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Good to be with everybody today. Um, greetings from outside of Philadelphia, Wilmington, Delaware. Um, so it's starting to be springtime here, and I hope everybody's enjoying a, a nice spring. So here to talk about my favorite subject in the world, which is fun as a competitive advantage, and uh, share what we've learned over more than a decade of delivering more fun in the workplace than anybody in the world. So um, anxious to get started. So you can see our mission statement there, innovative solutions for a happier, healthier, more connected workplace. Oddly enough, fun is not in the title. We just um, changed that recently because what we have learned is that fun is the driver for a lot of other very great outcomes. Um, but it's not just about fun. It's a little more than that. So you'll, you'll, uh, you'll learn that today. So uh, let's, uh, let's get ready to roll. So a couple of objectives today. If there's three things that I hope you get uh, as takeaways today, um, they are demystify and redefine fun in the workplace. So a lot of people have perceptions about what fun in the workplace is. Some of you may have been traumatized by creepy team building stuff. Um, it's not that. It's really not. So I think you'll be um, uh, surprised and, and pleased that there's, uh, there's alternatives to that. And establish fun as a process, not an event. And that was one of my aha moments years ago um, when I was doing this in the workplace. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, that, you know, wouldn't it be better if you took those euphoric but fleeting feelings that you get from an event once or twice a year and break those up consistently throughout the course of the year? Wouldn't that yield a better, event, uh, better result? And in fact, it did. And that's, that's how we really got started with this model. And then finally, teach you the how-to, uh, easy, effective, affordable programming um, again, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. So uh, let's get into it. So the agenda, um, some of these terms you will not recognize. That's because we made them up. Um, the, the first is easy. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about the evolution of fun in the workplace, the why and the ROI. So, you know, why is fun your competitive advantage Thankfully, there's a lot of people out there today, a lot of brilliant minds, Sean Aker, Simon Sinek, Tony Shea, others who have done a lot of the, the research and have the experience about um, the why fun. 
and we're going to talk about that. It, it's usually frames up a conversation about the how-to, but know that our expertise and what we're really going to talk about today is the how-to successfully implement fun in the workplace. So uh, after we do the, the, uh, the evolution, the why and ROI, the laws of fun, and these are the things that we learned over the course of uh, more than a decade of delivering uh, fun in the workplace in every conceivable um, vertical market that you can imagine, any size company, it doesn't matter. Um, these laws or universal truths, I, I want to call them, are, um, are standard within um, any application. And then the shared experience, and this is where the model really gets different. We talk about what's fun for you, your culture, your environment, not inflicted fun on, uh, on you as, as some people may have experienced in the past. And then how to develop your creative inventory. This is literally how to put it together and create brief but um, organic and fun activities in the workplace that really will get you moving and on your way to establishing um, a culture of fun and happiness at work. And then finally, design, activate, and sustain. So, you know, it's all words and talk unless you actually make the commitment to do it and uh, put it on the calendar and make it happen. So that's the agenda. Let's, um, let's get started. So the, the first piece here is the evolution and uh, the why and the ROI of fun at work. I'm going to spend a little bit of time just credentialing, if you will. So what makes us the experts and, you know, why is this, um, information meaningful. Um, and what I want you to take away in this piece of it is that this is all based on practice and experience, right? So it's not um, theoretical. This is based on practice and experience. And it all started many, many years ago at a company, United Electric Supply. I worked there for many years. And they had a work hard, play hard ethic back before culture was even a term that was used in business but work hard, play hard ethic, and I just naturally gravitated towards the play hard. I already knew how to work hard. So, but my, my hunch or suspicion was that that was this company's competitive advantage, that play and fun um, led to all these wonderful results this company had, um, high productivity, high retention, um, high profitability. On paper, they shouldn't have even been in business um, because there was a lot bigger competitors that you know could take them out from a pricing standpoint but wonderful customer service great place still is today but we formed the circuit club and many of you may be on committees at, at work trying to fund plan fun activities in the workplace or engagement committees culture uh, committees so um, we had the circuit club we met every two weeks 10 people and we learned a lot through that process, but I started to see that it wasn't just appropriate to have fun after work while we did those events, an annual holiday party and summer picnic, as many of you may, may still do. Um, what I noticed over the period of years is they became less and less popular as people's you know, demands for their personal time just became you know, more and more evident. Um, there was less attendance at those events. So I thought, geez, let's plan things brief but consistently throughout the course of the year. And we did. And that model really seemed to work. So my fascination continued. I started to research fun in the workplace. And this guy came up. So uh, if anybody can guess who that is, and you can type it in. Um, I'll, give you, I'll send you a $2 bill or a book or something. I don't know. Uh, but that is... Dr. Paul McGee, and he's one of the foremost authorities on fun and humor, laughter, and um, uh, very well published, and just a really awesome guy. And he happened to live in my hometown. And when I was researching it, I thought, what the heck, this guy's from my neighborhood. So um, we met and, uh, you know, he, he um, um, really thought that this theory I had about starting a company called the Fun Department to to change the model of, of traditional team building, you know, was, was a good one. But he said, be prepared for a long haul. Uh, there's a lot of non-believers out there. And then before I got started, I thought, wow, geez, maybe I should, you know, get some professional help, somebody who really knows how to uh, deliver fun. So I got this guy. So uh, Dave Raymond is the guy who, who um, created the best mascot of all time. He lived as a Philly fanatic for many, many years. 
and then, and it was a friend of mine and I thought, geez, if anybody knows how to have fun, it's Dave. So got together with Dave and we created this, this company, the fund department back in 05, did this team building and events um, for many, many years um, until today. And we still do lots of team building and events and then uh, wrote a book, documented our process. We wanted to teach people this model and process that you're going to learn today. So we started a training and consulting part of the business. And then we got into the product business in 2017, actually shipping subscription-based services of um, boxes of fun. And then um, finally, I'm very proud to be partners with Delivering Happiness. In 2018, we started a partnership with DH. And if anybody knows that company, born out of Tony Shea's experience with Zappos, starting a company based on culture, um, happiness, and, and fun, and taking a very traditional, boring business, online shoes, and making it mega successful. So um, one of many examples of companies today that are disruptors in the marketplace that are starting with culture, starting with happiness and fun, and, and building a company from there. So much like the experience at United Electric where nothing fancy or glamorous about electric, electrical supplies, but they had this amazing culture that was based on um, fun and happiness at work. So that's enough credentialing. Sorry if it seems like a commercial. Just wanted to give you a little history and background and, and why, um, you, you know, why it's important to recognize that this, again, is based on practice and experience. So more data, and we're going to, you know, again, um, talk about the how-to, but I first want to cover the why, because most conversations about fun and happiness at work, somebody's got to be convinced. It's a leader, you know, CEO, CFO, somebody's got to say, geez, why do we want to do this? What makes it important? So this is just one statistic, and it's one of my favorites, because it says 81% of employees. Note that that's, this is not from leaders, it's not from management, 81% of employees in companies denoted as great in Fortune's 100 best companies to work for, say they work in a fun workplace environment. So that's significant because from an employee standpoint, fun has the highest correlation of any other thing that makes up a culture and what people think uh, denotes a great company. So it's important to know that from your employee's perspective, that fun ranks very high. It's 60 to 70% correlation to a great company. So important to know. So if you're going to start with, you know, culture, why not start with, um, you know, with fun. And the other part that I really like about this statistic is that it's talking about the best companies to work for. So I always make the qualification right up front that fun will not make a good or a bad company good or great. It's, it's almost insulting if you're not already a good company. It can be your competitive advantage for sure. Um, but it won't make a bad company good. So I love our business because we get to really work with the best in class companies. If you think about the top companies in your geographic area, um, large, small, any vertical market, those best in class companies usually embrace this culture of fun and happiness. And more and more companies are doing this all the time. So it's, it's awesome that we do get to work with some, you know, really top, top-notch companies. So a little, you know, some more data that, um, again, it's overwhelming. I see an article come out just about every week now that speaks to the value of fun and happiness at work. So this is not a trend. You know, we call it the movement. Some people refer to it as uh, the revolution, workplace revolution, but it is, it is happening for sure. So um, any one of these statistics can be a strong argument for trying fun and happiness at work, right? So 31% more productivity, higher retention. I just recently met with a company who had a 21% uh, turnover ratio, um, which is really high, right? So if you're in the single digits, you're, you know, you're, you know, it's manageable. Uh, but if you're in the double digits plus, um, that's a really expensive way to operate a business and something is inherently wrong. Um, so, um, you know, again, companies that, you know, employ these principles 
um, have 44% higher retention rates than their competitors. Um, more incre higher increase in sales usually due to exceptional customer service. So if you're a Zappos customer, um, you understand that uh, the value of customer service and a wow experience. I actually look forward to something going wrong or having some kind of mistake because the, uh, you know, the outcome, uh, the correction is so much fun. So in, in any case, um, these companies outperform in, in sales, um, less burnout. So we work a lot in hospitals or high um, stress environments. Uh, which is really, really typical. So some fun and humor and happiness goes a long way to reduce stress. 300% um, more innovation. So oftentimes when you're getting together as a group, starting with some fun can really just um, excite the senses for, uh, for creativity and innovation. And a lot of very creative companies um, have a culture of fun and happiness. And while we uh, track a lot of our own data, I want you to be aware that these are statistics that are from, you know, the, the giants in the industries, the Gallups, the PricewaterhouseCoopers, Harvard Business Review, Forbes. And if you can say Greenberg and Arkawaka 10 times fast, um, I'll send you a book. Um, so uh, just some cool statistics. And as if this isn't enough, um, oh my God, the millennials are coming, you know? So, uh, you know, you've heard this probably too much. Um, it's in, you know, all the buzz in the, in the workplace. But know that today already we've crossed the 50% mark where over 50% of the workplace consists of a millennial population and by 2025, over 75% of the workforce. So, um, you know, what's unique about, about the millennial population is that they are making conscious decisions to choose workplace culture and environment over traditional pay and benefits. And that really is significant, right? That they are choosing to um, companies and they don't even care what the services or the products are. It's more about an environment that has sense of purpose, a sense of community, uh, flexibility, fun, um, collaboration, recognition, all things that um, this population is is known for. And oh, by the way, so are we, right? I mean, as an old dude, I like all those things too, right? They're just the first um, generation that's really demanded it and is willing to sacrifice pay um, to, to get in a healthy environment. So that's significant and it is changing. It's driving a lot of this behavior. And then the other thing to note that's important about millennials is that even the ones that are working are looking for another opportunity. So um, it, it's all the more important to, um, you know, recognize them, give them a sense of purpose, kind of feed um, their, their wants and needs um, to keep them on board. But it's a, it's a relatively transient, um, you know, work, uh, workforce. Um, so just some trends too, and again, I don't want to belabor the why part if you're not already convinced that um, that fun and happiness by the statistics uh, and the ROI is good for your business. Now is probably a good time to just check out. Um, but if, if you're intrigued and you think, oh yeah, I want to learn how to, um, bear with me because that's what we're, we're going to get into now. So some workplace trends that are worth noting over, you know, the course of um, the last couple of decades, you know, work ethic has shifted to workplace culture. Employee engagement is really about the employee experience today. It's more than engagement scores, Gallup or whoever else is measuring. It's more about the total experience. And you're seeing a lot of this. Right, from going from a, a hierarchical leadership um, and structure to flat organizations and leaders who are servant and serving and with uh, emotional intelligence, considering the whole employee and um, and wellness to well-being. Again, not just focusing on health and and wellness, but on well-being, psychological, mental. Um, you know, spiritual. So the, the whole individual comes to work and shows up every day. And we need to be as leaders um, conscious of that, that things that happen outside of work definitely impact 
um, work. And then silos and technology. Silos is certainly not a, an unfamiliar um, you know, term. A lot of companies are siloed by departments or divisions, but technology has also siloed us. Um, and there's a lot of data out now that's showing the signs of being detached, right? So um, you've seen it a hundred times where there's, you know, people, uh, you know, walking down the street and everybody's on a phone or they're sitting next to one another in, in, in workplaces and they're, you know, texting instead of communicating. So a big factor that is contributing to the need for connection and collaboration. I actually think the next major trend in, in workplace um, is going to be this connected workplace. How do we get people physically back, you know, together talking to one another, um, not just through technology. So a couple of, you know, trends to, to keep in mind as we, as we start to get into this. So it's hard to talk about the new model of, um, team building, if you will, and I, I'm going to come up with another term for that one of these days, but just to frame it and understand, you know, what the new model is, you have to understand the old model. So uh, let's take a look at the old model first. Do you trust your coworkers? Yes, you do. So just relax and let go. Okay, what do we learn there? Anybody? Is there such a thing as personal space? No, there isn't, because we are all molecules in the same organism. American Airlines. Yeah, I need an earlier flight out of Chicago. Rebecca, your move. Night takes pause. There you go, there you go. That's a power move, because she thought diagonally. Can I need seats on the two o'clock? feel like some of you don't respect me. But because? Uh, because of the hat. <laughs> Just get me on the next flight out. Two seats. Hi. We know why you fly. Just made it. We're American Airlines. So I thank American Airlines for that video every day. Um, uh, it really does help uh, people kind of frame up what that traditional model, uh, which I feel is a little bit creepy and, and weird, but if you had to do a trust falls or rope courses or any of that stuff, um, I can assure you that's not what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to look at a new model. So that traditional model, if you've been tra traumatized by that at some point in your life, you'll, you'll be pleased to know that we've really redefined it from this long characterized by long, boring, expensive force. A one-time event, which doesn't work, to brief, engaging. If you're going to do something brief, you know, 15, 30 minutes, make it engaging. No need for heavy messaging or debriefing. Very cost-effective. Some of the things we're going to talk about today, you know, well under $100 per, you know, activity or event, these small things that you can do in the workplace. And then instead of force family fun, and again, this major part of our model that is, is different that I think you'll find re refreshing is that it's the shared experience. Let's determine what's fun for you, you as an individual. And then collectively, as a group, as a department, as a company, we can extract all that data and then build things around that for a shared experience. So, um, and then instead of a one-time event, an annual holiday party or summer picnic or one of those big events, that really, this should be organic and sustainable. Most of the companies that do this really well, fun is one of their core values. It's actually built into the DNA of their company. So that takes time. If you're going to start it, don't expect it to happen in 30 days. It takes some, takes some time, but that's nirvana and kind of where you want to be. And these really self-actualized, high-functioning companies have that as part of their, part of their model. So, oops, I'm sorry. So... So um, laws of fun, let's talk about, um, sorry, here we go. Kind of had to, got, got clicker happy there. So let's talk about these laws of fun. So again, these are things that we learned over the course of over you know, a decade, delivering fun every day of, of the week, six, seven times a day in this brief but consistent way. Um, so leadership buy-in, number one. I mean, we won't even engage with a company where leaders are not bought in. It's extremely important. Um, it sets you up 
for success. We call it permission to play. Um, we're 100% successful where leaders are bought in and we're about 50 to 60% successful where it's being driven from the bottom up. We'll talk more about that. The three C's, consistency, on company time and compliant with your culture. And then finally, fun for all the senses. Not as important as the, as the three C's in leadership buy-in, but it's still important to, to, um, to recognize. So in a little more detail, what happens if leaders are not bought in? Kind of looks like that. You know, well, you know, I'm too busy entertaining my minions. I'm on my phone, blah, blah. You know, that really doesn't work. So we really encourage leaders to participate, um, not just a allow fun to happen, um, but to be a part of it. And it really is very humanizing. Um, what's it look like when leaders are bought in? Um, that's a little dramatic, but it looks uh, kind of like that. So fun doesn't always look like that, but that's a good picture. And the guy in the white shirt happens to be a leader who started his company the same time we did. Um, and he based it on culture, fun, and happiness. Wildly successful company, took traditional um, workspace made it, you know, collaborative, cool. He was one of the very pioneers in that industry. If you're familiar with WeWork and many of you might be in a WeWork or, or similar type atmosphere today, but he was one of the pioneers and built a company around um, fun and happiness, very successful. Um, so then the three C's. Uh, our prescription, if you will, if we had to write a prescription for a company um, as, a, as a place to get started, is monthly, regularly occurring once a month for 15 to 30 minutes is what we um, would recommend for fun in the workplace. And then if you do a really good job with pre-game and post-game, and we'll talk more about that, uh, kind of announcing something is going to happen or building up a little smack talk about it, and then certainly post-game afterwards with pictures and videos and trophies or whatever, then you're going to maximize the experience of that 15 to 30 minutes. And, and our data says that after doing that for like nine months to, to 12 months, employees start to shift their perspective of fun happening, not just once a quarter or once a month, but they see fun. They start to report that fun is happening every week or every day when in fact it's only happening once a month for 15 to 30 minutes in a formal you know, setting, if you will, right? Where fun is some activity where, where they're engaged in a fun activity. So pre and post game, really important. And then on company time, um, we used to say only on company time, but we break our own rules, right? We have fun with each other after work too, because we like hanging out and we're friends. However, where possible, on company time, you have to be respectful of people's, um, you, you know, life and, uh, you know, after outside of work. And again, 30 minutes or less. Um, and then compliant, this culture and policy fit is really important. We don't want anybody getting fired over fun at work. So whatever is appropriate for your culture and your environment is worth paying attention to. Okay, so culture and policy fit really important. And this is my, probably my favorite, uh, which is an all-inclusive and non-threatening. So when we build fun out um, for any customer, or whether it's gonna be a training, or whether we're physically delivering fun, or we're creating a box of fun, we, we follow these same laws of fun. And one of the big ones is it's gotta be all-inclusive and non-threatening. And what does that mean? It means that everyone can participate at the level they're comfortable with. So we're not going to ever make fun of anybody. We're not going to put anybody on the spot. We allow people to self-select the role that they want to play. And if that role is to be an observer, that's totally fine. That's super cool. So um, it's really important. And that's how we get 100% participation. And, and you certainly can too. So really important. Um, these laws of fun um, uh, or universal truths, I should call them, um, are uh, hold true in every, every case. And then finally, fun for all the senses. So <clears throat> the environment should look good, sound good, smell good, taste good, feel good. Um, and look is, you know, when it should be, you know, if you're going to take a break for some fun and if you're in a cube farm or in a, you know, kind of a, a not so pleasant environment, you know, go up to the atrium or take a walk outside or do something that is, um, 
you know, a little outside of your space and, you know, the look of a place can make a big difference and set you up again for success. Sound really important and that's really music. So every time we do any kind of delivery, um, we always have, have music, have a good playlist. I, I have a good friend who does an, an annual holiday party every year, you know, for friends and uh, he could never get a great turnout. And, and I would have a party and it'd be a rock and turnout. I'd put uh, much less effort into my parties, but I always had a good playlist. So now I bring the playlist to his parties and they're way more fun, way more fun. So it's important. So think about that smell. That's why we put cookies up there. You can bribe people to come to an activity or an event, um, you know, with something simple like, you know, food is always a, always a winner, right? Um, and taste again it doesn't have to be fancy food or anything but if if you are going to serve food and it's not necessary not necessary to serve food for any activity that you're going to do but you know obviously it should taste good and feel good is not feeling your coworkers. trust me uh, we're very hr compliant and sensitive feel good just means pay attention if you're going to do something outdoors you wouldn't want to do it if you live in our part of the country in the you know philadelphia area you wouldn't want to do it in july or august where it's you know sweltering hot uh, maybe do that activity plan that one for the spring or the fall so fun for all the senses is um important stuff to to pay attention to so um learned about the evolution the why and the roi we talked about the laws of fun and we're flying through this but we're going to get through um the the shared experience which again is kind of the cornerstone of this new model and so I put this diagram up here because I had sent one of our really bright uh, co-workers on an experiment years ago. And I said, go find me universal fun. And he came back and said, sorry, dude, there's no such thing as universal fun. Fun is an individual experience, but I figured out a way to tie it all together. And he showed me this, right? These three rings with an X. And I'm like, really, dude, is that all you've got for me? And he said, that's the shared experience. And if anybody knows what that diagram is, it's a Venn diagram. And it really does, um, you know, illustrate the way this works. So we can, and it doesn't matter whether it's two people or 2000, this experiment, if you will, works all the time. Imagine that those three circles are three individuals, uh, people that, you know, you work with. We guarantee in every case we can find X the thing that is the common shared experience. Um, again, it works every time. Imagine there's 300 circles. Most people say, oh my God, it gets really complicated. Um, you, there's more opportunities for fun, right? So it, this, again, experiment works every time. In a workshop, we'll, we'll spend an hour and a half just on this part alone. But, you know, we can collect all the data, come back with, you know, somebody's shared experience as a company, as a department, whatever it might be. So really important. And um, it's, uh, again, replicable every time. We use this example, an extreme one, uh, but just to illustrate the point, we were in a large university setting one time doing this um, keynote and exercise, and we did the shared experience. And a couple of college students, we brought them up, and they're you know, frat brothers, and they picked cliff diving as their... Um, shared experience. I thought, wow, that's going to be a tough one. You know, like not everybody's going to be in for that. Um, but this is what naturally happens all the time. I asked how many people are into cliff diving, about 30% of their hands went up, including mine. Um, but within seconds, you know, people said, I'll bring the music, I'll do the food, the photographs, right? So this event never happened, but I just want to give you the example of how it can work no matter what the subject is, people will find a way to participate um, if you invite them to and you ask them what's fun for them, right? So really, uh, really important and again, kind of just illustrates um, the, the value of the shared experience. So what are some of the benefits? Number one, it sets you up for success. So much different than Johnny Team Building Company coming in and saying, hey, pick the five things that I say are going to be fun for you. Here they are, you know, trust falls, rope challenges, blah, blah, blah. Um, you automatically eliminate 
50% at least of the population by, by doing that, right? So if you do the shared experience and you just ask people what their, what's fun for them and then collectively we can show them that data of you know, what's fun for your whole group, um, it sets you up for success and that's how we get 100% participation. Um, it humanizes leadership. Right. And I mentioned that before, super important. You know, we want leaders to be involved wherever um, they're participating. Then, you know, people just, it flattens you in an organizational chart and leaders are just like everybody else, right? They're human beings and they all have wants and needs and, and they like to have fun. It directs your focus. So if we know that um, outdoor activities happen to be um, one of the many shared experiences that we glean out of this of this data for a company, then let's do some outdoor activities. Again, make them brief. You know, they get 15 to 30 minutes, um, but you can focus on certain areas that, again, will set you up for success. I mentioned 100% participation by allowing people to participate at the level that they're comfortable with. And this is really important. The shared experiences are the most memorable. So I love reading. If you ask me to make my list, and I do it often, you know, what are the things that are fun for me? Reading always hits the list, but it's not my most memorable. If you think about the things that you really remember, it's the things that you're doing with your family, your friends, your loved ones, your uh, coworkers. You know, it, there are things that you do together. So really powerful that the shared experiences are the most memorable. And then I love this one, no more forced family fun. You know, no more somebody telling you what um, is gonna be fun for you because that just doesn't work. And something that a lot of people can relate to is the boss telling them what's fun for them. So if you've ever had that experience, I love golf. I'm the boss. Therefore, we're all going to go play golf. I happen to like golf myself, but I know that that will eliminate at least 50% of my employee population. So um, we can find ways to play golf in this shared experience to modify that game so that everybody could participate at a level they're comfortable with, but it's not gonna be on a golf course and we can talk more about that. So we're flying through, we're getting into the kind of the heart of it and I'm hoping you're seeing the flow of how this works. So, you know, it's important to know the why and the ROI and then these laws of fun, which are the universal truths of fun, the leadership buy-in, the three C's and fun for all the senses. And then the shared experience, starting with what's fun for you and then building that out into what's fun for your group, your department and recognizing that Fun looks different from department to department, and we find this often the case, that it's probably going to look a little bit different in engineering than it would in sales and marketing, and that is okay. That's totally fine. Um, you'll also find that if you're in a multi-location uh, business, that your um, one branch or one division is going to have another idea of fun than than the other one would, or that common experience of, oh, headquarters gets all the fun. You know, they, they have all the good times and we don't even like their, the things that they do for fun, right? So allow it to be specific to um, each culture, each branch, division, um, or department. And so we're going to talk about developing this creative inventory. And again, this is usually in a couple hour format, but we're, we're going to go through it rather quickly here. There's four pillars that make up every activity, every uh, program that, that we develop or you would develop uh, based on this model. So the first one is forums, when and where the fun happens. So if you go through this exercise and you say, geez, what are the opportunities for fun within my organization? It might be meetings, it might be outdoors, it might be on the car ride to, you know, to work. There's all kinds of forums when and where. So we first identify those. Then we look at the themes. And these can be value-based. They can be core values. So it could be maybe it's innovation or collaboration, or it could just be occasions. Most people are familiar with um, 
you know, holiday themed type, uh, type of fun activities at work, whether it's, you know, Halloween or Cinco de Mayo, whatever it might be. Um, but they're very common. Write down, if you would, holidayinsights.com. And that's one of many websites that'll show you a theme or holiday for any day of the year. So it's a good place to start if you ever get stuck in this process. Um, you want to come up with a cool theme for something. Um, look on there. You see a national bring your you know national pet day, uh, national smile day. There's a host of those um, you know themes that that you can look at. And then activities. So we base those on what is fun for you. So once we do that shared experience um, activity, so what's fun for you, and we can start to build out these these programs. And then the pre-game and post-game, as I mentioned earlier. So again, you take this um, shared experiences, apply the laws of fun, and then build out this fun program. And so what's it look like when it comes all together? And I'm going to show you kind of a build-out example. Um, and if you can notice at the top, those in those black headers, forums, themes, activities, and follow-up, um, which we just showed you as the four pillars. This is one company's example, okay? Um, and you can see they listed a number of different things in, in their, their workshop. They actually built out 12 things, um, you know, for a year um, of fun in a workshop, but it was just one that came to them. And so in the highlight part, uh, they wanted to do something around a community event. Um, they wanted it to be around food. I don't know where, I forget where the food dude came from, but just work with us here. That's what they came up with. Um, and pie the prez. So they wanted to have this um, event, this fundraising event, and they were trying to figure out a way to um, get participation going and raise more money and photo and pics were the follow-up. So uh, this event took less than 15 minutes, uh, very high energy. And that photograph, one of many taken that day, um, still circulates throughout that organization. And they, they've gotten so much mileage out of that. They also raised, um, they do this event every year, this community event, they had a 40% increase in the amount of um, uh, contributions and participation in the, the event. And uh, that's also a great example of leadership buy-in. That happens to be the boss taking a pie in the face. I don't say uh, or recommend that you necessarily do that, um, but um, he did and you know, wildly successful and just a good example of something that um, they all agreed was gonna be fun for them and leadership buy-in again to an extreme. Here's another one I'll just show you briefly that was based on a safety train. So this is a company, um, Sintas, um, who is a safety supply company and they do a lot of safety trainings, OSHA trainings, which can be really challenging. Um, extremely uh, boring, I should say. So they wanted to make that, uh, you know, a little more fun. They picked their forum, their theme, their activity, and the follow-up, and they came up with their version of pen, paper, shredder, rock, paper, scissors. They called it goggles, gloves, and hard hats. They're the three things, three protection uh, devices that people had to remember. And um, so this was an uh, an activity that went over really well in the workshop. They started to do it um, locally. They did it regionally. Now they do it nationally in, in all, their, all their workshops. Just a quick and easy way of communicating a message that would otherwise be, be boring and probably disciplinary. But if you make it a game and make it fun, uh, people will remember and, uh, and, and will, will embrace it. So Again, pretty pretty cool. A couple of examples. So we're uh, we're getting ready to land the plane. We're coming up here on forty five minutes, and um, you know we've gone through the you know the agenda rather quickly. I know it's a lot of information in a short period of time, but I wanted to show you that this is actually a process and one that you can easily do. Um, and uh, I hope you found it to be you know refreshing and a little bit different than what you might have imagined. Um, I love this quote, and I, I just think it's uh, very appropriate, and I also love Dr. Seuss, but it's good to have fun, but you have to know how, and uh, this is a great blueprint or model to, to follow to develop 
uh, fun in the workplace for you know, sustainable business results. So we started talking at the beginning about fun as a competitive advantage. I'm going to wrap it all back up and tell you that there is no question that fun is a component of a great culture and can produce some really amazing business results while also just having a, you know, just a great effect on on people. Everybody wants to have it. You just have to know how. So I will open it up for questions. And um, thank you for, uh, for participating along. Great. Thanks, Nick. That was fantastic. I do have a question here um, from Anna. It's a great idea to implement fun, but, and it would seem easier to introduce it in a startup, but how can we convince management to introduce it in a company that's been around for decades or very conservative? Yeah, great question. It comes up all the time. And so it really is by looking at the ROI. Leaders want to be convinced that there is something in it for them. Um, and so when you look at the data, and that's why I presented that first, because oftentimes we're approached by employees who, who want to have, you know, fun at work, um, but they have some convincing to do. So we spend a great deal of time with leadership. And if they're not bought in, again, it's not worth pursuing. So um, it's essential. We have a ton of data, white papers and so forth that we share with people. So um, you know, happy to do that if they need some convincing. Yeah. Yeah. Hope that helps. Um, I've got one here from Michaelina. Thanks mm -hmm. for the webinar. How do you convince the manager how important it is? So again, I think the, you know, the leadership, um, you know, does have to see that benefit of, of what it's going to be, you know, for them. What, what does, um, you know, fun, you know, how does it help, help them? And, uh, you know, that, that data is, is, um, is really important. And anybody who, um, you know, if, uh, the presentation will make available for people if they, you know, certainly they can share that. Um, but there has to be a champion, somebody who is going to champion fun within, you know, the workplace. And oftentimes leaders think, oh, I have to create a whole nother, you know, department or division or hire somebody to do this. That's not the case. So there are plenty of people, I liken it to um, Donkey and Shrek, you know, the pick me, pick me, pick me, you know, like you ask somebody who wants to be involved in the fun activities, there's plenty of people that will raise their hand. And if somebody's there to champion it um, and follows this process, it'll be super easy. You don't need 10 people on a committee. It could be one or two people, even within a big company to get this, get this rolling. Great. Um, next question here is from Arpita. And if anyone has questions, please submit them now. Um, she's asking, nowadays, many companies allow flexibility of working from home. Thus, the team members are virtual, Texas, California. How can we infuse uh, fun in such remote companies? Yeah. So again, a great question and very common today. So um, we do virtual fun. We do videos. And while it's less than ideal because if there are people that are just, you know, solo working, you know, at home, um, it still ties them into the rest of the organization and it allows them to participate in a company-wide um, you know, fun activity. Most of these are, you know, five to 10 minutes. They're maybe trivia based, but we do them for big companies, Capital One, Big Bank, all over the country. You know, we do a series of those every year. And some of them are challenges where we're asking them to engage with other employees to come up with something. And then, you know, we tabulate all the results and there's a you know, prize of some kind at the, at the end. But um, that's where we will use technology to connect people. Um, but our goal is always to bring people together. So that's one way of doing it. The box of fun is another way where we ship it to multiple locations and then they have competitions amongst the competitive of the various branches of, you know, who finished first or best picture or whatever it is. So yeah, that um, brings me to the next question. Julie's asking what comes in a box of fun? Ah, what comes in a box of fun. So um, they are, if you can think of them as kind of our best ever curated activities that we've used in a variety of different circumstances. So, um, you know, on our website, there's some, some examples, football bocce, you know, it's a, um, you know, or puzzle. There's some, some of them are creative games. Some of them are mild physical challenges, all built with the laws of fun. Like we talked about, they're all inclusive, non-threatening. Um, 
and they're meant to be for four to 20 people for 15 to 20 minutes. And so it's, you know, comes with instructions and, you know, everything that you would need. And then you can do it at your leisure. But football bocce is a great example of a, of a game that, you know, people like football and they like bocce. You know, we combine the two so you can play it in the office. Um, you know, nobody gets hurt. You know, it's all inclusive, all that. So, you know, we modify games and, you know, based on people's shared experiences. If somebody says football, we're obviously not going to get everybody out on a football field. It's not going to happen. But how can you modify football? You can make it a paper football game where, you know, you're shooting through, uh, you know, somebody's fingers, a goalpost or whatever. So we find ways to modify things that people are interested in. Great question. Interesting. Do you ever do um, stuff like that for like bigger workshops or conferences? Like, do you do boxes of fun? Like I'm thinking for ourselves that LeadX is going to be doing an event in November, a training event. And I'm wondering like, maybe we can partner or something. What kind of things do you do for work larger workshops? Yeah. So we're, we're doing one uh, next week where we're going to Naples, Florida. It's a company where, you know, that's their annual conference. A lot of people will set up stations with boxes so that people can kind of play at their leisure. We'll have people that are there to, to, uh, you know, facilitate or whatever, get them started. But we do that a lot. We just did a millennial summit. In fact, we got a couple of them coming up here where, you know, we'll do these stations and we have these boxes. So they're, you know, they're really cool that, you know, people can engage at their, at their leisure and, you know, again, engaging, you know, fun, quick. Cool. Very neat. Yeah. Um, last question here. I've got, what are the challenges, barriers you foresee a company facing while implementing uh, this new fund strategy? Yeah. Another great question. So um, a lot of it is the first time jitters, right? So we'll have a, do a workshop for a company and they leave all fired up. They're ready to go. Like, this is awesome. They're all bought in. They love it. And then the first activity, which we actually for, you know, put on the calendar, like, let's get started. Here it is. And we coach them through it remotely, right? So we can coach people over the phone just to make sure that they're set up. But it's getting the first one done. And, you know, like anything else, this is practice and experience. And normally by the third one, which typically is the third month, people are going, no, we got this, man. We got this. We're good. We're good. In fact, we came up with other ideas. You know, we have our creative inventory posted up and we found other things that we want to do. So they get into it. And doing a workshop, we get people actually building these activities in five-minute rounds and then two-minute speed rounds. So you really get pretty proficient at it, you know, yeah. you know the process. Very nice. Yeah. Well, um, those are all the questions we have today. Thank you, Nick, so much for Thank taking you. the time. Thank you um, make sure you check out uh, the fun department. You can see the social media links there and check out the boxes of fun. That sounds so cool. I know I am. Um, remember, we offer this webinar replay along with all our past webinar replays in LeadX Academy, and you can sign up at leadx.org for a free, no risk, three day trial. So check that out. Hope everyone has a great uh, rest of the week. Thank all you. Right, and have some fun. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Bye. Friends, if you like this episode of the LeadX Leadership Podcast, please take a minute, leave a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. Ratings are invaluable for attracting new listeners. And I like to convert those listeners into leaders because you know I'm on a mission to spark 100 million leaders in the next 10 years. And if you wanna become the boss everyone fights to work for and nobody wants to leave, check out the LeadX platform with Coach Amanda at leadx.org. And if you have 10 or more managers who could use some binge-worthy training, send me an email at info at leadx.org, L-E-A-D-X dot O-R-G, and we'll talk about getting you set up with a totally free pilot for those managers. See if they like it. If they don't, that's fine. We go away, part as friends. But if they love it, you've just found yourself a new resource for them. Remember, leadership is influence. You're always leading. How are you going to lead today? <laughs>